0: Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready. We're about to live in your head, rent-free. Hello, otterites. This is episode 116. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. And this is Code of Honor Week, gentlemen. Oh, yeah. This is Robert sitting in the uh, captain's chair, and we are at the uh, atrium of uh, my grand palace Yes, indeed. <laughs> very Marvelous. happy to very happy yes.
1: to be in Studio R. That's yes. right, exactly. The, the
2: ceiling fan it makes it cool and yes, with the lovely
0: view of uh, the the wooded back lot, which is always wonderful. Yes, indeed. Uh, very inspiring uh, view. Uh, it's one of the things I like about uh, the back lot here. So, code of honor, as we said at the end of last week's history episode, uh, "kiss my drunk Russian ass." Of course, uh, you're going to repeat that. Yeah, it's yes. too good a title. Uh, yeah, it's so, too good a title not to use more than once. Uh, We are going to be doing quotes from Abraham Lincoln, uh, the great man himself. Uh, This is episode 116, and he was the 16th president. So, in a way, it's kind of fortuitous. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So, Abraham Lincoln. It's better to be lucky than good. Many times. Now, if you can be both, it's even better. yes. So, Code of Honor is where we take our quotes from famous and not-so-famous people Mm -hmm. that we like. Uh, because they either inspire us or have some kind of meaning for us, right, gentlemen? Mm-hmm. Right. These are things that we like uh, because it speaks to us in some fundamental way. Is generally the way that goes for us. Uh, I will take the last quote because as uh, as the hammer, yes, uh, I like to sum it up and somehow try and tie all three quotes together. And I never know what I'm going to do uh, when I get to, until I get to my quote. No. Well, not never. I have an idea sometimes. You've got to I have guess. a few picked out. Yeah. Uh, today, I have no freaking clue.
2: Well, you know, at least we have a theme this time. A lot of times we don't. We do.
0: Well, you know, the theme is sometimes harder though.
2: They yeah. are. It does limit yeah. us a little bit, but yeah. usually we're picking something very important. I mean, we did Hemingway. My God, how many Hemingway quotes could we have picked? Lincoln's the same way. Uh, he's probably uh, one of the most oft quoted individuals in the entire American history. Yeah. For it's all interesting. Right reasons.
0: He's from an era where, when you wrote. Which is where a lot of the stuff comes from, but that's not right. all of it. Uh, but even when you wrote your speeches, you wrote long speeches. That's right. You wrote, well, when you, you, wrote, wrote you wrote deep. You know, you wrote with yes. deep meaning. Not like today, where all speeches are meant to be uh soundbited. Sound bit.
1: Yeah, exactly. Chopped up into little pieces. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Uh, if
0: you can get a five second quote out of your speech, then fantastic.
1: Yeah. That's that's what you want. I mean this is an era when people even their letter writing was for right. a purpose, usually. Exactly. Like, and it, 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 it,
2: Extremely yeah. verbose and extremely well-crafted. Yes. And Lincoln
0: was a master. And you didn't sit down and write a letter in, in an hour.
1: You wrote a letter maybe over the span of days or even weeks, because uh, they were so well, long. These were precious things. I mean, yeah. they, this was the way to communicate. So so you became a good writer in this era. Right. right. So, and, and that's one of the reasons why there's so many quotes. And, you know, this is at
0: the end of... Uh, Maybe not the end, but he's certainly probably the last president who's famous for these kinds of things. Uh, you know, Teddy Roosevelt has some great uh, quips, uh, which would be great sound bites in today's. Uh, words, uh, we could do a quotable
2: Roosevelt very oh, easily. Yeah, yeah he's, well, he's and, and again,
1: talk about a writer, and he, he was voluminous and wrote. Uh-huh. And, right, so and uh, Churchill's another one. There are many. Line. Many. Well, I'm quotes. talking about the U.S., but yes,
0: yeah. but again, those are from you know different way of going about things than That's modern. Right. Uh, Politicians and thinkers. So, uh, since Francis uh, had the lion's share or the bear's share, shall we say? The bear's share. The The bear's bear's share share Uh, of uh, last week's episode because it was on uh, subject both near and dear as well as uh, to to his mind as well as his his heart, since he's been doing so much research research on it for his upcoming novel. Uh, I I think we shall go with Martin uh, as our
1: first. Well, bring it on, sir. All right. So. This one's a little bit different for me. This this Lincoln that I picked, you guys know, usually I use these quotes as a window into me. But this time I wanted to use the quote as a window into Lincoln. And what there was about him that showed he really had this incredible character. Folksy wisdom, but also a wisdom that showed a real sense of right and wrong. Yes, yes. And the quote is uh, in a letter to Joseph Hooker. He has just appointed Hooker commander of the armies, uh, or commander of the Army of the Potomac. Uh, and that's right before. That's
2: eighteen sixty-three. Three early right before Chancellorsville. Yeah, correct? yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, so you're talking about you know uh, March, I think, April, yeah, something maybe like that. Yeah, Chancellorsville's in May. So yes,
1: All right. It's after Burnside's. Fredericksburg, which is December of the previous year. Yes, and it's exactly that moment. It's the dismissal of Burnside, the appointment of Hooker. And he writes to Hooker, quote, I have heard, in such a way as to believe it, of your recently saying that both the army and the government needed a dictator. Of course it was not for this, but in spite of it, that I have given you the command. Only those generals who gain successes can set up dictators. What I ask of you now is military success, and I will risk the dictatorship. <laughs> so I just again humor and wisdom and character. And at the same time, this this same thing that Grant had, I think it's why they, they got along so well, is there's a faith in success. Yeah. We're not going to lose. Yes, I know it looks gloomy right now, but we will we must win and we will win. And we will put this nation back together. And Hooker, you've got this is your chance to do that. And I'll just I'll take the risk that there will be a dictatorship afterwards. Right.
0: That's something no modern politician would ever. Right. Wouldn't even entertain, much less yeah. put into practice. Well, and uh, you know he's not serious, of course. He, that's that's the beauty of it. Right. We all
1: know that. Well, is he, he? I mean, I he's taking a risk. I mean, what if Hooker is a big winner? Well. You know, I mean, think of Mac, like, you know, if, if he was very popular, yeah, that, if yeah. he had had military
0: success to go with his, uh, with his giant ego, <laughs> easily he could have gone the dictator route. Yeah, I, think. I, I mean, maybe not easily, but I mean, if you want to
1: figure that you could see doing that, he's one. He's, he's somebody that they like, could have accumulated power in such a way that when the 1864 election comes along, if he wins, then what? He never gives up.
2: Right. You know, he, he declares martial Law and stays in power until whenever. Right. I mean, there's, That's, there's, always already <coughs> there, well, yeah. there's
1: already that possibility of, well, I'm going to suspend the election for next time. And, and Lincoln's willing to take those risks and say, no, nope, it's going to be all right. And it's just, I just love this little window, again, into his character, his wisdom, that sense of humor. Again, mm-hmm. he did have a really great one. He did. Um, and we, we saw it at the museum, you know, playing with the kids and the things that he would tell Mary. He just, he always kind of could could take the edges off of things with a laugh.
0: Well, he never took himself so seriously to think he was any better than he was.
1: Right. And There's, that's the thing. That's crucial to his character. Yes. Yeah, and that's crucial. his upbringing. That's, he, his upbringing. that's yeah, a lot of that. He never thought he was better than anybody else.
0: Well, it, it really is at the heart of, of everything he believed. He really was a disciple of the declaration of independence mm-hmm. he truly believed all men were created equal he just thought that the constitution betrayed that with slavery right and he was really dedicated to that uh uh the uh, frederick Douglass. he there's a quote in the book that i have of lincoln quotes because people have quote uh, talking about lincoln and douglas uh talked about that about how he was so dedicated to that that and he was Truly, was so dedicated that he felt like they were actually equals. Like he could have gone up and put his hand on his shoulder while they talked. Not that he did. He said, "Of course, I would never do that," because uh, of the respect he had for the institution. Yeah, not for because the right, not because Frederick Douglass didn't think it was appropriate for him as a black man. Just that you know, you don't do that to the president. You know, there's a, there's a formality there, and you know that was that struck me very very much that uh, you know he he truly had that that belief. Yeah. and I think that. Drives your quote from him anything to preserve the union, mm-hmm. yeah. Because yeah. he, he will deal, we'll deal with one crisis at a time,
1: yeah. He gets kind of criticized, and in, in the, there's that famous quote about if I could preserve the union by freeing no slaves, I would do that, and all this. But it, he knew that that was first because that's what really would free the slaves, right? If you preserve the union, mm-hmm. then the slaves can be free. If you don't, it's all a disaster, right? If you don't preserve the union. You know the
0: states that secede have almost all of the slaves, so you can't affect it anyways. Yeah. So he was very much a realist, and and uh, Frederick Douglass realized this as well. That's one of the other quotes because he talked about the very same. He didn't talk about that particular quote, but I knew what he was referencing. Uh, he talked about how uh, you know some people uh, criticized Lincoln for that, but he understood
1: that you can't do the one without the other. Yes. Preserving and, the union is first. Yeah. That's that's what will lead us to. Freeing the slaves Yeah Yeah. And and Lincoln recognized
2: Early on politically It was not possible In 1861 To even voice that But by the time 1863 comes on You have to voice that Right And he
1: he knew You had to give Greater meaning Mm -hmm. Than just Well we're defending You know Against what happened At Fort Sumter Right By the time you're standing Up over those graves At Gettysburg There has to be more Right Yeah, there has to be a reason for this to go on. And I love that you brought up Frederick Douglass. He might not have put his hand on Lincoln's shoulder, but he put his voice in Lincoln's ear. Yes, he did. Lincoln listened. Yes, Yes. because
2: Lincoln was able to modify, was able to basically come out as the abolitionist, that he always was in his heart at the right time. Because in knowing that I've got the political clout to do this now, and more so it must be done now, otherwise... These men will have died in vain, to yes. steal from the progress. And, and,
1: and again, combining that that eloquence of Douglas into his own abilities as a speaker and writer. Frederick Douglas, of course, not tremendous, not Stephen Douglas
2: because he was right. a vile racist. No, no, yes. no. Frederick Frederick Douglas. Like that's I said, I'm glad you brought it up. I've got a
1: biography awesome. picked up
0: of him. A recent one, uh, picked up in soft cover. I've got it down in the uh, uh, in, in the basement office. Uh, I have not started yet, but I'm really looking oh, forward to
2: it. Oh, yes, I would. Yeah, love he's to do one that. of the
1: one of the truly greats. Yeah, he really is. And I'm, I think we're going to do an episode on him. I think he's on the schedule. And good, I'm good. looking he needs forward to. to be. it. Yeah, he's, he's, so. a, he's a hero. He yeah, absolutely he absolutely a needs a to be one of those heroes. Forgotten yes. today, but a, an absolute hero. Right,
0: right. He's often seen as a footnote, and he was not a footnote. No, he was a he giant. was a major player, a giant right. major player. So, Francis,
1: my turn. I think, I think so. so. Okay. I, think I think so. so. We, right, did, yeah. we did what we wanted to do with mine. I think we could,
2: you know, we could pick so many things, so many things. I mean, Lincoln. I mean, the Gettysburg Address alone <clears throat> is one of the greatest works of literature in the entire American corpus, and that's saying something. I'm not going to go with that. Uh, I kind of decided to go instead of, you know, instead of with the the things that are known and known well. I decided let's go back to a prophetic. Speech of his. This goes back to 1838. This is in Springfield, Illinois, uh, and it becomes very, very famous uh, because of what it would eventually talk about. Uh, and I'll give you the uh, I'll give you the quote here. This is the short version of the quote. The quote is: "All the armies of Europe and Asia could not, by force, take a drink from the Ohio River." Or make a track on the Blue Ridge in the trial of a thousand years. No. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we will live forever or die by suicide. 1838. 1838. That's correct. Yeah, this is way early. Wow. And that's one of the reasons. The image that, that Lincoln gives of armies forcibly drinking from the Ohio River or crossing the Blue Ridge is what initially yanked me and got me mm-hmm. in there thinking, wow, he's exactly right. That couldn't happen, could yeah, it? That's quite an image.
1: I mean, that that's, again, that oratory, that ability to paint that picture with words is pretty tremendous. And, and very <coughs> brief.
2: It didn't take very long to do that. It's just, just a couple of brief sentences, and all of a sudden you realize just exactly what we're talking about here. And yeah. he says, you know, we couldn't be invaded by, by foreign armies. I mean... It's been attempted in uh, fiction a few times. But in me, that quote always stands in the front of all that, saying, that's no way. I mean, the movie Red Dawn, for example, or The Man in the High Castle. I'm sorry, you have to suspend a a huge amount of disbelief. I just don't see that happening. Uh, It's an interesting thought exercise, of course. But he's very clear. Uh, Our own downfall, whatever that is, will be our own. And we'll be doing it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, of course... It almost happened. Right. 25 years later, it almost happened. Very, very close, yes. So it was a kind of an amazing prophetic thing. Slavery's not in that. It's nothing about that. It's about the American character and the nature of who we are, the nation of free men. See, there's that little dig, that little tweak. Uh, and I, I think, I'm not about to speak that I know Lincoln's mind, but it, it's it got that, under, that subtext, that undercurrent of Oh, by the way, wink, wink, shake, shake. We say we're free, but not all of us are.
0: Even I, think it's a, I think it's a nod, uh, especially to the uh, the, what the country is built on, and especially the American character. Because especially early on, uh, before uh, so much of Western civilization became uh, very much generic. I mean, civilization in the U.S. is not all that different from the U.K., right. and France, and, and other countries uh, anymore. But it was... 150
2: years ago. we
0: were there seen it was. As, it
1: was then, that's for sure. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, we look. were seen
2: as backwoods buffoons <clears throat> in Europe. Right. right.
0: And especially him. Yeah. Because but, yeah, he was so a Because he, he, he was, that's right, yeah. That's he wasn't right. a buffoon, but he was a backwoodsman. That's right. So, yeah, but that unique character is the strength of our country, which is one of the reasons why the invasion is so unlikely. Right. I mean, anything
2: could happen, but. Well, they would take the Martians coming. It's that uh, sort of type right. of thing, you know? Uh, you know, the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but then again, that would be ourselves. Not necessarily. It could come from China. And they'd all get over here. <coughs> 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 I mean, somewhere. 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 Else. Okay. somewhere. A
1: disease that came from China that shut down the whole country? Oh, now that could never happen. Yeah, you're yeah, right. You I don't know, know what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Silliness. Okay. Let's not go to Camelot. This is a silly place. <laughs>
2: Uh, stepped but, in that one like uh, the like way Cal- like didn't we? yeah Robert is whoosh right in there with that one that, yeah. was, good.
1: that, that was, was good that was good that was like right its good. interior yeah. Yeah. That's, right. That's, that's right that's right uh,
0: but you know that, that unique character and outlook on life especially 150 years ago is so different from the countries that could potentially have been our enemies because they were all either monarchies or not long removed from monarchies and well, as a matter of fact in 1838 This is 10 years before the revolutions in Europe that got rid of most of the monarchies. That's right. So you would have seen conscripted armies fighting for a king being sent to fight volunteer armies fighting for their country. That's a far
2: different thing. That's right. In fact, uh, Cornwallis himself says, you know, this is a nation of rabble. This just shouldn't happen. Everything will change and everything has changed.
0: Right. Well, we are, you know, I think the way i just i think that that's i wasn't planning that but i think that's a great way to differentiate the united states in especially up up to modern times that that's a different philosophical discussion i think but when we went to war we went to war for god and country other countries went to war for king or despot and that's a that's a major difference mm-hmm. yeah uh you know even well, yeah, up until this time, I can't think of a case where that would not have been true. Because uh, even when uh, Spain sails on England mm. and, uh, with the Spanish Armada, it is monarch against monarch, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so even England doesn't fall out of that, even though they're a quasi-parliamentary uh, 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 system. Uh, you know, The monarch, up to this point, still had a little bit of power, not, not so much by 1838. But my point is, we are unique in that. We fight for God and country. And that is different. Now, today, that's probably uh, more so the case in other places as well. If not God, then certainly your country. Uh, but it really is different.
2: Yeah. Nationalism was a different animal here than it was in Europe.
0: Well, there's... Some people say that, that, that there is a difference. There's a difference between patriotism and nationalism. Okay, yeah. Patriotism is being proud of your country. Mm-hmm nationalism is thinking your country is better than anybody else period yeah yeah now you may believe that that your country has the best opportunities and what have you uh but there's a very big danger when you get to that my country's better than yours uh fundamentally on and on every level because i think most people even us included realize we're not the best at everything we might believe that we are the best at the the important things and that's what most patriots probably
2: would believe yeah, but the, the idea of patriotism. If you were to speak to the France of Louis the Fourteenth, for example, they would not consider themselves patriots. They were, you know, they were better. They hated England. They hated uh, the Holy the Germans. They but that hate, was
0: different than nationalism in the sense because when it, you it was, persona- it was
2: personified at that time. But that was the beginning of the shift into. Taking it away from the personification and into the nationalization. Yeah, In those the, the Thirty Years' War. Yeah, that's around that time. That's that crucible is where a lot of things came out of it. Nationalism.
0: I don't know this nationalism the way we think of it today really came out of that, but it, but the, embryonically because you know the monarchs are still very much important for the next hundred to hundred and fifty years after the, the Thirty Years' War. But and plus, you know, you throw in the religion mix into that; that really muddies the waters too. Well, that's right, yeah. But well,
1: again, and they, they didn't see themselves as different from the state. Very, you know, very famous, right? The state he, is me, right? I am the state. That's right. The state is me. I am the. Our interests are the same. Exactly, and that's not the case
0: uh, in this country and now. I,
1: and of course, in all of Western Europe, and, and even now Eastern Europe, the people are the state. Right, it's the way it should be. Right. Then not bad, Matt. Not bad. Interesting.
2: So, I like it. Read, read the end of that. Cause, like, the end is the mu- is the meat. That's that's, that's right. Of the money that's part right. Of the yes, is. exactly. As a nation of free men, we will live forever, or die by suicide.
0: See, and I think that's the, the first part of that.
2: As a nation
0: of free men,
2: that's it. That's exactly it. That is the essential part. That's right. Because uh, we are not beholden. You know, that, that's an anti-feudalism. Uh, reference, of course, but it's so much bigger than just that, right? You know, it is you know.
0: right. And you said it's a non-to yes, slavery. That's uh, right. But it's also the recognition that uh, certainly far more uh, than we are today. But an American is autonomous,
2: right? Well, we we are a democracy, a republic, but you know, for, right. versus a monarchy, which is still kind of in the DNA. Of Lincoln's generation to be anti-monarchical. Yes, I mean Washington has a large stride. It's only sixty years after his death, mind you. So all that anti-monarchical monarch, monarch monarchism. Monarch, yeah, thank you very much. All that—that's still very much who we are. Have some more bourbon. I think <laughs> Speaking, maybe we should do that because before we slide into yours, we we got to do take a bourbon break, don't we, gentlemen? Before you slur you any more words, at least have an excuse for it. <laughs> well, that's right. I'm usually very good at pronouncing even the hardest of words. Yes, she, Before
1: we get there, though, the, the, uh, well, I think Robert
2: was trying something's to get you burning. Some,
1: yes, yes. I think Robert was trying to get somewhere else, though, too. Well, is that uh, as a nation of free men, we're fine. But if we hand away our freedom, ooh,
0: doggies. Well, that's the path to suicide. Yeah, that's the suicide. Right, that's, that's what Lincoln's talking yes. about
1: here.
2: He's referencing the slavery issue probably overtly. But but it's deeper than that. Yeah,
1: you brought up autonomous. The autonomous American who knows his or her destiny, who wants to choose a path and not be restricted and not be told by a paternalistic entity that, oh, no, you can't do that.
0: Lincoln's (laughs) literature is littered with a, a cornucopia of quotes that any modern libertarian would glom onto, love them uh, because they are all about. Uh, uh, matter of fact, there's a great one that sums up uh, the Catholic doctrine of subsidiarity and solidarity. Because mm-hmm. he basically says, anything the people can do for themselves, they should. If they can't, they have a government that does it be only because they can't do it any better than them uh, than the, it does it better than they can themselves. Yeah. And that is the heart of it, and that—that's yeah. back to, you know. That's—that's that's his entire background. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's self-taught. He was a self-sufficient woodsman. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and I mean, he's a lawyer that that has no law degree. I mean, think about that. That's you can't do that today. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I mean, guess you common, could.
1: It was common then. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, well, he studied. He knows the law. He did. Yes. yes. I mean, I suppose
0: you, anybody could pass the bar. I guess nobody uh, checks to see if you graduated from law school, but I don't know. Uh, who would want to (laughs) I mean pass the bar without going to law school is what I mean
1: well it's just my libertarian streak gets a little broader and a little broader all the time and uh, and I love those uh, that then there's a ton of Lincoln to back up those kind of ideas so
0: absolute ton of it
1: ton of it so bourbon break yes yes thank you indeed for letting me get that squeeze that in no I think
0: that was important thank you because that's a good way I think that it was a great... We got to delineate that that final thought because yeah. we almost did get sidetracked. And that was my own fault. <laughs> so, no, no, you were doing great, man. I love it. Uh, go for it. Go ahead. So, all right, so I'll go first. So uh, I am trying the, um, the Four Roses that uh, uh, my brethren here tried last time. And uh, honestly, I, this isn't even quite as smooth as the the Jim Beam Black that I tried last time. Not in my opinion. Uh, there's a bit more... Um, uh, flavor, though, uh, a little, I think the flavor's a little bit stronger, uh, but not in a bad way. Uh, there's more, it stays with you longer uh, in, in the in, in similar areas. Uh, you get a little bit in that nasal uh, area, uh-huh. uh, but you get more down, warmth down your throat and your esophagus with the uh, Four Roses, so it's a longer-lasting impact, which I kind of like. I like it very much for that. The Jim Beam doesn't last nearly as long on your palate, Uh which is not a bad thing because, like I said, that's incredibly smooth. Mm-hmm. I really do like that. But this uh, small batch Four Roses is really good. This is a step above the regular Four Roses.
2: It mm-hmm. really is. Yeah, that's what I'm drinking. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's got a smoothness to it that I just I really like that. It doesn't yeah. linger, and that's a good thing in this case. Say so it doesn't or does. It doesn't. No, I think uh, it has a little bit of a linger, but not not yeah. a major. One. Yeah. Well, you know, teensy see.
0: I, it's subtle enough to be good you know like I said you get a little bit down your throat but it's not like an angel's envy where you know five minutes later it suddenly explodes
2: in your gullet it's like
1: oh wow look at that uh, well maybe not five minutes but you know what I mean
2: <laughs> yes momentarily Delay. well
1: I, I'm taking the opposite route I switched to your uh, Robert your Jim Bean black label here and I have to say after you sung his praises I'm a touch disappointed what really, really yes really I, I do find it a little rougher around the edges Interesting. not quite as complex a flavor
0: i agree with you there it's not quite as complex i i didn't think it was rough though
1: i mean i haven't tried it yet so i I just just not uh, i'm just not getting a ton here it's just kind of the maybe it's the aging the aging is maybe just a touch overwhelming for hmm. it and it's it's giving it a little bit of roughness a little bit it stays longer on the tongue. the two is not as smooth Interesting. Uh,
0: the difference in the way that comes off between the two of us. I guess I'll yeah. have
2: to try it next time and try to break the tie.
1: Well, he's not saying it's bad. No, no, no. I just—if they were both sitting on a shelf, I would grab four roses for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But this—it's—it's it's just a little too woodsy. Without, without maybe any because space. my
0: expectations were so low. No. Yeah. I enjoyed it more and, and I raised sure, the bar for you I'm years.
1: not sure I'm going to take his uh, uh, opinion here Well, because his taste buds are always ruined by soft drinks well so are mine <laughs> I, I've just been giving him grief about that for what four episodes yeah, yeah at least stop yeah, at least. stop uh, stop drinking soft drinks so much and yeah more, more than that because last time we were at
0: Studio M is where that started so yeah. that's that's like eight
1: episodes. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the pain. Now the look, pain. He, he does, look, he does pain. drink his bourbon neat. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, yes. So he is getting the whole deal, and I am doing this one neat, whereas I did the Four Roses with a little ice.
0: Well, see, now I so did
1: that with a little bit of ice, and I think that does make a difference. It does. It does. Because Honestly.
0: you get the, the... When you chill bourbon, it is a different taste. It is different. And when you start getting the, the ice melting, uh, yep. some bourbon, a splash of water makes it better really really brings it out and yeah so maybe
1: that is the difference it could be the difference it's not an objective equal apples to oranges because i did not go get more ice uh, for the jim Bean black right right but i had had some ice uh, for the four roses and i think it complements it very well it it, it allows a lot of flavor to come a lot of the complexity comes out with the mix of water I'm willing to bet that you put a little bit of ice in there uh, and, and yeah. let it sit for a minute. It's going be very similar profile. You'll have a different experience. Yes. Hmm. I think that's very true. Because it is I, It is a close enough profile to the Four Roses. I, I get where you feel like they're similar. Yeah. yeah. It's close it's enough. Little, yeah.
0: They're, it's different. It's distinct. But it's got uh, similar approaches, maybe,
1: would be a good way to put it. it yeah. And the way it, it, you experience it, at least to me. Yeah, I'm was, certainly the, no expert. But. Yeah, the blenders—they uh, were probably trying to achieve some very similar things here. Yeah, uh,
0: which you know, I'm fascinated now uh, after experiencing all these bourbons. Uh, fascinated with all the different uh, uh, tastes and uh, locations that you in your in your yes. gullet, in your mouth, your nose, uh, everywhere that you experience the bourbon—that is just fascinating
1: to me. Bardstown in September yes is the the big bourbon fest what weekend is that it's like the 16th through the 19th oh something like that um and it is supposed to be I don't know 30 distilleries or something oh my two goodness. two city blocks of, of bourbon are they
0: doing a uh, assembly day this year yes it's that weekend isn't it third weekend in September no it's fourth crap I'm preaching that weekend well, that's fine. That means I can do the uh, the bourbon experience. So right? we
1: might have to do a snakes and otters road trip. Yes. We might have to recruit a designated driver to get us there.
0: Well, that's true. That's true. Indeed.
1: Indeed. So we might start asking for volunteers.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Amongst our, our driving age progeny. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: yes. or <labs>. uh, driving <laughs> age but not, and not drinking age that that
0: seems like well, a, quite the sweet spot there I, yeah I don't have one that's driving age but not drinking age mm. uh, I only have one spawn that uh, drives but doesn't care for bourbon uh, the, the eldest spawn she likes bourbon uh, but we'll see we'll see we'll, we'll have to figure that out
1: yes yeah, so we, we may have to see if we can work this out to head down to Bardstown for the uh, for the fest all right I think I'm, I'm done, yeah, I've done yapping about bourbon.
0: All right. So, this Francis, is, did you have anything else you
2: wanted to add? No, Thank you. Uh, you need to get your quote. We need All to right, hear right, it. All right. All
0: right. All right. So, the, I'm pulling my quote from uh, Abraham Lincoln, Quotes, Quips, and Speeches by Gordon Leidner, the editor. And we got this on our trip to Springfield, our uh, road trip to Springfield uh, a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. And it's published by Cumberland House. It's really good. They're... I wouldn't say they're short quotes because a lot of Lincoln's quotes just are not short. Right. Yes. Uh,
1: you know, they, had, they had a more verbose way of speaking. Well, he had, everything. He had a lot of setup and then payoff. Exactly. For, for the quips and the you know the, the points he was trying to make. Again, this one to Joe Hooker was, right. was that.
0: I way. mean, there are some really short, good short ones too. Uh, the, one that I almost chose uh, is only six words.
1: Uh, but it's a great, and, and you know another great short one is don't believe everything you read on the internet. Exactly, That's right. Lincoln That's said that. Yes, yes. he did. Yes. Yes. I would have chosen that, but everybody's done that one to death now. Yeah, so. I, I mean that is the thing. If you look up Lincoln quotes on the internet, there are so many. It's like I'm not sure I trust that he really said all these things. <laughs> exactly. It's like this, this. I mean, this is making him look like you know Moses and uh, and Hammurabi and everybody all, <laughs> all rolled into one. Exactly.
0: All right, so I don't have a source for this unless there's... Oh, wait, maybe I do. Uh, Let's see. Page 27. Uh, Because you guys have been kind enough to give the uh, sources of your quotes, and I want to try and do the same. So this is quote number 17. This is from uh, Collected Works of Lincoln by somebody named Basler. So that didn't really help, did it? (laughs) No. So... In, it is as much the duty of government to render prompt justice against itself in favor of citizens, as it is to administer the same between private individuals. Now, hmm, I really like this for a lot of
1: reasons. That that sounds a lot like something he would have said in a courtroom, right? As, it it as does. As an attorney.
0: But the interesting thing about it, though, because it's talking about the government as if he were suing the government. Maybe if it's if that's the case. Uh, but the, I like the way he, he he structured this because you know we all have a little bit of libertarian tendencies, not nearly as much as as Martin for Francis and I, but um, you know we do all agree that the government that governs best governs least. We've heard yes, that before, yes, you know, yeah. And we're talking about the national level. Obviously, the lower the level you can do it, the better. And if I can do it, then I should. If I can't, then you know, even though I hate it, I got an HOA, then you know they should do it. Uh, that sort of thing. But the fact that he talks about justice and how the government should render prompt justice against itself yep. in favor of citizens. There's this is so key. Yep. This is also a uniquely American concept Yep, that the government could say that, you know what, you're right. We have wronged you. The government has wronged you as a citizen and you are due redress. Mm-hmm. That is new in, right. in terms of, of how you govern against uh, or how you govern the people. And nobody in, in Europe would have been governing under a principle like this. And yet, if you think about it, it's built into our constitution.
1: Even right. still today, as, as much as you have democracy taking root across all of Europe, it's still that, that concept of the government could be wrong. Oh. Right, right. right. It's still very alien to politicians everywhere. Well,
0: it's alien to politicians here as well. You know, I mean, you have to get permission to sue the government from the government. Yeah. Which I kind of understand because there'd be so many nuisance lawsuits. But I think Lincoln would look at that and say, well, that's stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But again, being that uniquely American thing. And he, he puts it on the same level as administering justice between private individuals. Which yeah. is one of the core things that I think far too many of our libertarian brethren uh, forget. That there is a role of government in making sure that, you know, for instance, contract law is honored. Yeah. Well, that's important. You have to have a government to do that. Because right. otherwise it truly is anything goes. It's a wild west. Uh, and that's just a minor bit of it. So the government needs to practice justice you know, Martin against Francis, Francis against Robert, Robert against the two of you, as well as all of us against the government. And in favor, as he seems to be saying, in favor of the citizens before itself. So that, in a way, this is kind of a Catholic principle of how we treat canon law. Mm-hmm. You know, canon law is for the salvation of souls. Right. And it should be applied always this way. Mercies are to be multiplied. And penalties are to be minimized. Uh, my former pastor, uh, number two canon lawyer in the diocese for a number of years, that's the way he always approached mm-hmm. law. And I think that's a great way to put it. Government, is, the, I think, should approach it the same way, uh, if at all
2: possible. Uh, and then how that works in practice, I yeah. don't know. What's but the any? philosophical underpinning behind the law? And that's right. where you have to start. And you now, always have to go back to that. When things don't fit nice and neat because they so often don't. Right. Well, that's the reason why you have a lawsuit is
0: because something doesn't fit nice and neat usually. And this, I think, ties back to everything we've been talking about. All men are created equal. Mm -hmm. Not only that, all men are created equal before the government. In other words, the people are more important than the government. Right. And I think that's what the intent of this is to say. And... It goes back to. I really think it does speak to everything we've talked about. You know, he's willing to take risks, as Martin said, uh, in in favor of preserving the union. But why? Because the union is so important. Because all men are created equal. This unique American experiment is so important because it is unique. And I believe it was in the Gettysburg Address Uh it said, Uh you "You know, if." If this perishes,
2: then it perishes
0: everywhere. Perish from the face of the earth. that's right. Because it
2: was experiments—the
1: right word. Yeah, government of the
2: people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from the face of the earth. Yeah, right. use it as an address. experiment,
1: and it fails; it won't get tried again over
0: there. Right, not not for you know many generations. And I, I think, in many ways, I've come to see Lincoln as the quintessential American. Yes. Uh, I, you know, oh, I used to think that that's terrific. He is. You know, people just say, "Well, I don't know. I think Washington's greater." I used to say, "I think Lincoln's greater." I used to be in the Washington camp, and I may be moving slightly more towards the Lincoln camp. Well, I
2: don't think you have America as I, it is I've without been, either I've one. I've been in the Lincoln camp for many years. Yes,
0: and it's, it's. I still think it's hard to choose which one is the greatest American, because on the one hand, Washington forged the country. But Lincoln preserved it. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, transformed it in many right. ways. Yes, very much so. Uh, because he literally transformed it from the United States are to the United States mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that was a very transformative thing. But even so, at the heart of all that, all men are created equal. Mm-hmm. It really, uh, you know, that just struck me so much yeah. in all the reading They on were the words
2: before Lincoln.
0: They were words before Lincoln, but, you know, when... But to him, there were no truer words.
2: That's right. Exactly. They, you know? He made them real. Yes. Uh, with no exceptions. Yes. basically. Exa- the- and that's the
0: key thing: no exceptions. That's right. He really thought that. He really thought that all men are created equal. Now, he also was enough of a, a pragmatist to say it to think. I think uh, that what you do with that is entirely up to you as well. If you, you know, now obviously, if you're born in slavery, that is a slightly different case because. You have a little bit less opportunity there. And yeah. obviously we've seen the effects of that. But I think to him, being that self-made man, uh, I think he truly believed that all of us being equal, all of us can do whatever we set our mind to. That is quintessentially American. I think it truly is. Whereas somebody like a Washington, he's an aristocrat. You know, how much of, I don't know that he would have believed that same level of all men are created equal. For him, it might have been more of a philosophical truism, whereas, and I don't know, I'm not, I'm not saying that is. Hard to say. But uh, considering that they all, uh, uh, you know, owned slaves and compromised on slavery at the very beginning, whereas, you know, for Lincoln, that all men are created equal is at the core of everything. It had to be an absolute. It, it, right. And for him, it's either absolutely true or absolutely not true.
1: And that's what he fought for. Yeah. I mean, Washington writes the check, and Lincoln cashes. it. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Mom. Very good. I, I, I'm still very much a Lincoln. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm sorry. I'm still very much a Washington guy because he walked away. Yes. Because
0: and he put more on
1: the line. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. There was no he could have been king. There was no precedent for a guy with that much power saying, "Well, okay, I'm done. Yep. Here you go. Going back to the farm." Yeah, I'm going back. Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that's, the only other president I know, and that's why they called it the Society of the Cincinnati. That's right. At that time, he walked away. To me, that's the greatest achievement. I mean, I I sound like I'm exaggerating this way too much, but it's one of the greatest achievements in human history. We take it for granted today because it is so common, and now it's you know it's law.
0: No, it's because somebody yeah, used it again. You, you
1: set him up against Vladimir Putin, who will not walk away. You know, it, it's this is why right. Washington. So, but he wrote the check, Lincoln cashes it, and and they they're inseparable. They are, they are the. They are what America's about. And they, they really both,
2: are. They both had the good sense of being born in February, too, because that way we have a <laughs> president's then day. We have a
1: holiday. Yes. Only one instead of two, but Right, but okay. Well, you know, plus plus Reagan's a February. Well, that's, that's, right. That's, that's right. That's uh, right. great presidents are
0: apparently born in February. There you yep. go. Uh, good. so yeah, you know, I don't know that I, I definitely fall on the the Lincoln is better. Uh, as a great American, now who, who is more important? Now, and there's also different. Now, who's more important to the country? I might still fall on the Washington side yeah. of that, but as far as somebody who embodies what it means to be an American, I think I might fall on the Lincoln yeah, side yeah, of that. Yeah, that's right.
1: It's very hard. I mean, you just can't do a well. Who's bigger deal? Right. Like I said, they're both. They're both just so important and both. Right. It's no other no other presidents. If if
0: they fail, destroys the country the way if these two fail. Yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, everybody else could have been an abject failure, and And we would have survived. Lots of them were and lots of them were. Now, maybe not every single one an absolute failure because it probably would have destroyed the country, (laughs) but any one of them uh, failed and it doesn't destroy the country.
2: Nowhere else were the stakes so high as they were with these two, and you know. the
0: only two, po- three possible exceptions of f- potential fail- failure destroying the country are uh, Franklin Roosevelt, of World War II. Okay, I'll give you that. John F. Kennedy with the uh, uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. Okay, yeah, absolutely. And Ronald Reagan. You could make it Because at the end of the Cold War. Uh, very, very easily, if Brezhnev and Dropov or Chernenko had lasted longer, especially Chernenko and Brezhnev had lasted longer, uh, and had negative effects on, you know, they decided they weren't going to go the perestroika route. Uh, that could have ended badly. Uh, maybe not destroyed the country, but, I mean, the, those are the ones that are the, could have had the most calamitous results from failure. Yeah. Right. And, you know, Washington and Lincoln are, are the only two that definitely would have destroyed the country had they failed. Interesting. So it's Interesting very difficult to yeah. to... Pick one over the other as far as presidency. Well, that's a it's kind of a good mm.
1: wrap up there, actually. I guess so. I don't know
0: that I hammered it the
1: way I usually do as no, far as is. tying them all well, together. You're, you're <coughs> saving a few of the nails for next episode. Well, that's true. I probably am. Well, yeah, because that's what. Yeah, that's what's
2: coming up next. Because we just talked. We gave three quotations from Lincoln. For goodness' sakes, do we really expect that that in any way does justice to the man? Of course not. We've talked a lot about him. We're going to talk a whole lot more about him and what it was that he brought with him, not just his genius, not just his self-made peace, but all the big package that put it all together and saved the union. We're going to talk all about that next episode.
1: Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of Eternal Questions. Remember, new episodes published every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review
2: because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.